Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners. So today on the episode, we are going to be exploring FAM, F-A-M, which stands for Fertility Awareness Method. Um, and my guest today is Dr. Antoinette, who's going to explain what all of this is, all of this is because I have no clue. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Madeline. It's so great to be here. I have never heard of this. So I, you know, I'm going to assume that there's like a large proportion of women who have never heard of this. Um, so let's start with like, tell us about you first and like, what got you into learning about this approach, doing this approach and all of that great stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're definitely not alone in not knowing what fam is. I talk about this all the time. So it's something that I, it's very much surrounded in my world, but yeah, I can't wait to to talk about that more in this episode. Um, but yeah, my journey that led me to working in women's health started as a personal one. And uh, where it began is when I was in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. And as a result, it led me down this road of having abnormal periods, navigating life with an autoimmune disease. And then when I began studying naturopathic medicine, I learned that the, about the thyroid and its connection to you know, underlying health, like gut health, environment health, your, horm- your other hormones, your periods. Um, and I really learned how to tackle this from, through supportive therapies, like through diet, lifestyle, supplements, and all that good stuff. Um, and I just knew that I needed to pass this information on to more women. And then when I started practicing, I noticed a trend. A lot of women were being prescribed hormonal birth control. And when they came off, there was just this huge, there was, there was almost this huge disconnect, um, that was causing a lot of hormone havoc as I refer to it as, um, and it led me to kind of be thinking, okay, I need a system that can not only empower women to help them understand their cycles and their hormones, particularly as they transition off birth control. And then also like fertility awareness provides a wonderful alternative for those women who are looking for a hormone free approach, um, to birth control. And we'll get more into that. I'm sure. Um, but also, you know, it, it created this opportunity for me to really step out there and teach women about their cycles, teach women about their reproductive health and teach women about how it's all connected. And yeah, so now that I get to teach fam, um, I use it part of my naturopathic practice. I teach as a fertility awareness educator for people who just want to learn that and don't really care to integrate it with like naturopathic approaches and yeah, it's been really awesome. And I just love what I do. Yeah. Well, that's definitely, it, definitely coming across. And I would agree that like, we really, as, as women don't get very much information 
about our periods. It's more like, like, here's kind of like, you know, some of the hormones that are involved and like the timeline you can expect. But I mean, if you're, um, you know, a woman that's experiencing irregular periods or, you know, you're on birth control, you certainly have no idea, you know, necessarily like where you are in, you know, in that cycle um, and how it relates to what hormones might be going on. But we really don't, you know, get a lot of like specifics about like, what is involved with our hormones and like what's going on with our periods, you know, why are, you know, some people have painful, some don't like, there's just so many things that we don't know um, about our periods. So what, so maybe you could tell us like what exactly is FAM? So let's start with like definition um, and then we can kind of dive deeper into that process. Yeah, of course. Uh, So fertility awareness method is really, to put it simply, is a system where you learn to track and interpret biomarkers from your body to determine your fertile window. So depending on your intention for using the method, as in, are you trying to get pregnant? Are you trying to avoid? Or do you just want to understand? Do I want to repeat that? Um, or if you just want to understand your reproductive health, then there are a specific set of rules that you're going to follow in order to achieve those goals. When you say biomarkers, can you just maybe kind of define what that is sort of like in layman terms? Yes, definitely. Um, so when I say biomarkers, I mean something, a sign or symptom that you observe or note in your body that is giving you information about your hormones. So when we're talking about fertility awareness method, the top three that are used across all systems are cervical mucus observations, basal body temperature, and cervical position, meaning like the actual position of your cervix, which you can check for. Which like, again, did not know like that's a thing, right? It's like pretty, it's pretty cool. Like I've even heard of um, they're called cervix parties, and it's where women can like get together and like actually look at their cervixes. So you're doing this with like a fam educator or someone who knows how to teach it, but um, and then they take pictures of it of their cervix and they celebrate their cervix and seeing it, and it's just this awesome ritual that I think is so cool and fun and. Um, yeah, if any woman has the opportunity to like actually see a picture of your cervix, I think you would find it interesting. I know I do, but then again, I'm probably not the average person in terms of my level of enthusiasm towards fertility awareness method. Well, I, you know, I, I think again, it's just, you know, I think periods and menstruation and all of that has like just kind of been sort of really taboo and like it's like let's just like cover the basic material and move on and I think you know so I think um there may certainly be reluctance in like learning and wanting to you know experiment and figure this out just because of like the way that we've sort of been taught about our bodies um makes us a little bit more like hesitant to kind of really get to know and like not be afraid of like the stuff that's going on in there, right? Like being a pelvic floor physio, like people don't know about their pelvic floors, right? And so certainly we're we're outside the norm in terms of our professional, um, you know, interests, but I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty cool. Um, so 
what so what exactly does fam like teach women so you mentioned that there are sort of like three ways um that you can track it and there's different ways that you could use the system obviously like either to get pregnant or not get pregnant i and i I don't know if i caught the third one Mm -hmm. yeah the third one was So this is actually my favorite use of the method because I think you should have this one figured out before you even are trying to conceive or trying to avoid, and that's body literacy. So that's to really understand your reproductive and your hormone health. So I believe that a women's menstrual cycle is her fifth vital sign. So what that means is similar to the other vital signs, you're going to learn a tremendous amount about your overall health when you use FAM. So that's really awesome. And, you know, things have to be, quote, working properly before you can actually say, okay, you know, am I going to plan a pregnancy? Like you want to be ahead of the curve in that regard. Um, and yes, so you asked me about how, 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 I guess, how it works and the different uses. So I'll start with saying that there are a number of different methods out there that women can learn. So you have methods that are based just on cervical mucus observations. You have some that are based just on basal body temperature. So, you know, it's become really trendy now to have various pieces of femtech, which are like those fancy thermometers or bracelets or rings that help you track your temperature. So just using that would be an example of um, a BBT only or a basal body temperature only method. Um, And then there's a symptothermal the symptothermal method, um, which involves a combination of both of those in addition to, um, adding in like hormonal signs and symptoms. Um, you can also layer on top of that, you know, using hormone testing, using ovulation for tigter kits. So, uh, the method that I teach is the justice method, which is a symptothermal based approach. And with my background as a naturopathic doctor, I do layer in the hormone piece and I add in, um, you know, information about ovulation predictor kits. Cause a lot of women, when they're trying to get pregnant, that's, that's the first place they go. Um, and then also some methods have a bit more of a secular background to them. And then some of them have like a religious or spiritual aspect to them. You know, uh, fertility awareness method often gets, confused with natural family planning, um, where natural family planning has a bit more of a spiritual aspect or, or I shouldn't say spiritual religious aspect. Whereas like fertility awareness method is kind of just the, it's like, what are the biomarkers? Let's learn them from that perspective. Um, and then of course you have every instructor will put a slightly different spin on it, depending on their, their background or their expertise. Um, I think I answered your question. Well, definitely, I mean, there seems to be so many different, um, different approaches that you can uh, take, which is, I'm just like sitting here taking it all, you know, all in being like, okay, so um, maybe I'll like summarize to make sure I caught it all. So like, you have one method that sort of looks at cervical mucus. Now, when you say cervical mucus, I'm assuming you mean discharge like vaginal discharge yeah yeah and so maybe the more general term would be cervical fluids because you're gonna have in that category you're gonna have 
discharge. Yes, you're going to have arousal fluid. You're going to have, um, yeah, different types of, of mucus. I know when I hear discharge, sometimes it has a bit of like a negative, like a medical diagnostically wrong connotation to it. Yeah. Well, but, and so this is why I I guess I wanted to, to ask about it is like how one should think about those things. Yeah. Because like when you think, and here's the other piece, right? Because women will be like, is it normal? Right. Like you start to ask questions about like, is this a normal function? Right. Because we don't talk about it because, well, you know, there's a lot of sort of negative connotations associated with it. So, and again, sort of taboo, we don't talk about, you know, fluids or things that, you know, come from sort of down there. And um, so I think there's a lot of women who sort of don't know, like, is this normal? Is this not normal? What is this? Like, there's not really that education piece centered around that. So it could be pretty scary if you're, you know, especially as you're like transitioning in and around the first time you're having a period of like all these hormonal surges and things are happening, like, you're going to be like, what is this? Right. And like, you may or may not ask your parent, your parent may or may not know the answer to it. So, you know, I just think that there's just such a lack of information about that, that makes it super kind of scary and embarrassing to ask. And like, am I normal when really, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be using this information to understand, or from what I gather, you can use that type of information to understand part of your health status and like where exactly, like how, can you tell how healthy your reproductive system? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, I just want to like tell a funny little story about what you said. The first, the first point you said about cervical mucus, because it, it happens quite often when I'm in a fertility consult with a woman and she's been trying to get pregnant for a couple months and I ask her, okay, so what's your cervical mucus like? She's like, ew, gross. No, I don't experience any of that. Like I'm good. And so I think you're bang on with your point that it's, it's, there isn't as much information talked about this and, um, the, definitely when you get to work with a practitioner who knows fam, you get to really tease that out. Okay. So what are your patterns? What does your cervical fluid look like and what's considered normal? What's not considered normal. So, um, yes, on the normal side, it is normal to have cervical mucus that is like, you know, clear, stretchy, has a lubricative sensation right around when ovulation is going to happen. That is normal. What is not normal is to have cervical mucus like every single day of the cycle, right? You should have more dry days than you have mucus days in your cycle. So um, to answer your question, like having mucus definitely means you're fertile. That's one of the rules is like any mucus is considered fertile, but if you have it on the wrong days or in excess or in patterns that are that, or in patterns that might be aligned with there being like something abnormal going on, some sort of underlying pathology, um, that's really where you get to investigate it and you get to work to improve that with whatever you do treatment wise. And I would think that that is, you know, like some really good information that women could be gathering. And then like, well, I mean, obviously take it to a practitioner that knows, but like, imagine you could go to your doctor and like have this sort of understanding and be like, you know, I've been like, kind of like looking at this and, you know, something seems off, right? Like, I wonder if more things, you know, if there was a pathology or some, some underlying um, condition happening that it might get caught early because usually, you know, there's going to be signs and symptoms that sort of start to show up when things start to go, go a little haywire, 
Oh yeah. And the problem I would say also with that is that if women don't know what they're looking for, sometimes they could end up at their doctor's office being like, Ew, I have this like discharge that's, you know, white and, and it's a lot and I don't know what it is. And so the doctor without necessarily thinking about when it is or, or because fertility awareness method is not taught in medical school. Um, then they may be sending them for all these tests and investigations. And it just kind of leads you down this rabbit hole of like, there's something wrong with my body. I have this like serious, you know, infection when it could have just been that that's completely normal because it's happening when a woman is supposed to have that type of mucus. Well, that's, that's the other part is that we sometimes over medicalize mm-hmm. natural women function. Like I, yeah, I'm sort of scanning through like ethnographies and like old anthropology um, research centered around like childbirth and like just looking at the history of like the medicalization of um, pregnancy and childbirth, you know, that this is like a condition that needs to be managed medically when really there's like normal like there's certain normal processes that happen that we've Mm -hmm. kind of turned into like well there must be something wrong and then once you think there's something wrong you're going to go into a stress response which is going to cause a cascade of a whole slew of other things to Mm -hmm. happen right yeah Um, so I think certainly this is kind of I think it's helpful for people to know that there are these like things out there that you can like learn and then um, be able to seek a practitioner that is informed in this to empower your own self, to get to know your own body. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the end of the day, like we should be our own experts of our own body, but we're not. Totally. (laughs) Um, So just to kind of loop back, um, you know, we're, we're talking about, you can use this as like fertility, but also as kind of like a pregnancy prevention. Can you kind of talk, can you speak a little bit to that piece? Like, how you can use the system for that? Yeah, for sure. So the whole system is based on identifying that fertile window. So, you know, it's it's going to be somewhere between five to eight. I mean, that's a very big generalization. It is going to depend for everybody. But it's like, that's the phase when you're producing excess amount of uh, peak cervical mucus Um, and it corresponds with when ovulation is going to happen. Now, ovulation happens one day, one time egg survives for like 12 to 24 hours. So it's, if, if we were planning, if, if conception was based on timing that exactly, it would probably be next to impossible to, to pinpoint that exact moment, but the body produces cervical mucus as a vessel for sperm to survive in. So the, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of female listeners, so I'm just going to go right into it, but the vagina is quite an acidic environment and sperm would not survive in that environment. So they would die before they even had a chance, if you will. But cervical mucus allows that pH to not be as acidic and to allow sperm to not only survive, but also to travel. And so traveling being like up to what I say, like it's hanging out at the ovary waiting for ovulation to occur. And also 
sperm can survive for about three to five days. So you have to keep that in mind when you're thinking about using this method to avoid pregnancy, because if you have a day that you've peaked cervical mucus and then you have intercourse on that day and you're not ovulating for like four days later, it is still possible to have a, to conceive when you had intercourse three to four days before, because cervical mucus and sperm is a lot like, sorry, sperm is surviving within cervical mucus. So that being said, to use this method to avoid a pregnancy is you have to be checking your biomarkers every single day. So you got to be doing your temperature every single day. You got to be taking your, um, you got to be looking at your cervical mucus. You got to be recording. And then you got to follow a certain set of rules. So there's like, you know, any day with mucus is considered, um, a fertile day. So if you are, if your intention is to avoid pregnancy, you're not going to have intercourse on that day. Um, I mean, we can also get into perfect use of the method and, you know, less than perfect use of the method. There's just different categories that they, that fam gets categorized as. And I would say perfect use, you would have to abstain during the fertile window. Um, but that being said, uh, the efficacy rate, so for perfect use of staining during your fertile window, 99.6% efficacy, and then it kind of drops down to like 98 when you, you know, if you use barriers, if you use withdrawal within the fertile, the fertile window. So still a pretty high efficacy. Um, and a lot of clients, you know, it's a conversation about what they're comfortable with um, and knowing the risks. So, I mean, it's, hard for a lot of women to abstain from intercourse during their fertile window, because like, that's usually when a woman's libido goes right up. That's when her like estrogen's the highest. So it's really about having a conversation and, and seeing, you know, how resolute they feel about a pregnancy. Like what could they do? What are some other ways that we can brainstorm still being intimate without there being penetration? Like, those are the, those are the types of conversations. And that's kind of how the method works when you're trying to avoid a pregnancy. Um, and then, you know, there's certain things such as basal body temperature. And when you can confirm there was a shift, uh, that usually means ovulation happened. And so then you kind of have a second half of your cycle as like your safe days because you've confirmed ovulation happened. So you really have to teach women how to be able to identify their ovulation signs so that then they can confirm ovulation happened. So I'm going to like, I'm going to probably ask silly questions because I don't know. Um, but I'm just uh, also thinking about like people listening probably will have similar, uh, similar kind of like questions running in their head. So this is not a method that you would use with birth control. Right. Like you mean something hormonal. Yeah. I mean, like you're using this method because you don't want to, or can't use it, or maybe can't afford to use birth control. So it, you're not using this method and birth control. It's kind of like you'd be sort of one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. And actually you couldn't, it's kind of a, a waste of time to do them both at the same time, because when you're on hormonal contraceptives, they're going to suppress your cervical mucus production. So you might not even be able to test anything, but situations where I have recommended women like learn the method while they're still on the hormonal contraceptive is because 
it's sometimes easier to get the hang of the routines and to make sure you're checking observations daily, like while you're, while you're on, while you're on birth control. Cause that way, when you come off, you're like, you, you got the routine and the habit already sort of figured out, but the data that you get is not really going to be helpful unless you've come off. It's just more like learning the system and like preparing yeah. for when you're, when you're getting off. Um, and I obviously like, I'm going to assume that like when you're saying 99% efficacy, um, you're meaning like the likelihood that you're going to get pregnant if you're using the system, quote unquote, perfectly is like mm-hmm. 90, 99% likely that you, you know, won't get pregnant. Right. Yeah. Um, there's always that, you know, everybody has to understand there's always risk right? There's always an exception to the rule. And, you know, you want to, you want to be definitely uh, conscientious of that. Um, But, you know, I I would also think that you could use this system, even with protection, condom use, you know, in the sense of like having that safeguard, like, if God forbid, this condom broke, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in the safe window. Um, You know, you can feel certainly a lot more confident Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So combining different methods of contraception is, is definitely allowed and, and okay. But when we're talking about that efficacy rate, it, re- it was studied in refer- in reference to abstinence during that window. Um, other criteria too, to keep in mind is, you know, it's, it's like, how did you learn the method? Is this something that you read about, right? Because like anything, if you missed one pivotal rule or one pivotal concept, then that could, you know, lead to a higher risk of a pregnancy if you didn't, if you were avoiding a pregnancy, for example. Um, so yeah, that's, and that's like any, any birth control, right? It's like, was it inserted properly? Like, are you taking it at the right time? Like all of those that apply with, you know, quote, conventional birth control, the same would apply with FAM. Yeah. Um, I figure it's just probably important for us to state this, um, but FAM does not protect you against STIs. Yes. Yeah. I just, I just, I, you know, I I just want to make sure that we've like kind of made that sort of clear for anybody who might be listening. Like if you are having unprotected sexual intercourse, this method is not going to prevent sexually transmitted infections. So just FYI, right. There's like that part to also, um, sort of keep in mind. Um, okay. I have a question about menstrual cycle charting. Is that something different than fam or is that something included in fam? Because I know people will sort of like track when their last period was and like, you know, sort of, are they, are those two different things? Yeah. So I imagine you're referring to like using an app or. Yeah. 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 So you'll hear this often like, oh yeah, I track my cycles and women will say, I use this app. And I often they're referring to, I record the day one that I get my period. And then I record when my period stops. And then I record again when my period starts again. So that I think is what most women associate with menstrual cycle charting. Um, I would say, no, that's not the same as fam because fam, again, you're making your cervical fluid observations every day. You're tracking your basal body temperature every day. Um, you're actively recording 
signs and symptoms that you notice, which sometimes like women will do that if they're mental charting with an app, they'll write, you know, my period was painful this day and this day, or I had headaches on this day. Like some women will do that. Um, but yeah, I would say they can sometimes be confused and thought to be the same thing. Um, but fam really does go in a lot more, a lot more detail. Yeah. I, I, I kind of wanted to just kind of bring that to the forefront because I think, you know, I'm certainly familiar with, um, you know, apps tracking periods and it usually gives you like your estimated, like, here's your window of like when you're going to be ovulating. Right. And I'm, you know, obviously knowing that there's like a more specific method, I'm thinking that's probably not as accurate as like doing the specific method. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And like that can get dangerous, right? Because women will say, oh, but my app told me that I ovulated from this day to this day. And if that's not, if you're not like, you might not even be in your cervical, like you may not even have cervical mucus on those days. You may have not even entered that fertile window at that time. Um, so yeah, most apps go based off of an algorithm and an algorithm, meaning that it's going to purely based off of days on the calendar, it's going to say, okay, on average, your cycle's 28 days. That means you're going to ovulate between day 10 to 14. And it's going to every month give you the it's going to populate the, your fertile window based on that data, um, which, you know, before one of the original, I guess, fertility awareness based methods was the rhythm method or otherwise known as the calendar method. And you'd actually be surprised how doc, some doctors like teach this to women. I know my family doctor, um, she's like, oh yeah. So like you see a calendar, like, okay, when did you ovulate last month? So count backwards based on these days. And I was like, what? And I was just so confused. Um, because like, that's not my body. Women don't ovulate the same day every single month. So I think apps are kind of just a fancy, (laughs) a fancy calendar method, which, um, you know, I mean, that gets confused for a lot of women because they think that that's fam. And then they're like, oh, I'm already using fam. I like use this app. And it's like, no, that's not fam. It's different. And here's why. Yeah. I think it's just good to be like aware that that's not necessarily accurate. And it's probably taking an algorithm based on a standard deviation where like the majority of women fall, like 80% of women fall here and like completely ignores um, women on the end of that standard deviation and the beginning, right? So you're not capturing, you're, you're capturing an average, but that's not how humans are. We don't all like fall in the same, not, not to say that you're abnormal if you don't fall in that standard deviation. It just means that like the majority of people are here and then you have a few outliers. So this, the algorithms cannot take that into consideration. So that's where it can be sort of dangerous, especially if you're trying to avoid pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to take that even a step further is like within one individual woman, she's not going to ovulate on the same day every month because ovulation is so subjective to lifestyle events. You know, if you're more stressed one month, you're, you might ovulate later. Um, I know for a lot of women, like when my, actually myself included, when COVID started, it's like the stress of all the unknowns in the world and being in lockdown, like 
threw off my cycle completely. And I was not ovulating on the same day that I had normally done in the past. And like that can happen. Or if you get sick, it's going to throw things off. If you drank alcohol one night, you know, it, there's lots of factors that can affect when ovulation happens. And, um, yeah. And also I wish that the apps were based on like a population of women between this age and this age. It's not even that it's based off of like, okay, you like looking at their data and just counting the days. So yes, you're right in the sense like women generally ovulate day 10 to 14. So they go and overlap that information on top of like their data. But um, yeah, I just don't know if it's as like scientific as that. (laughs) Yeah, well, exactly. Um, So my next question is about using the technique for irregular periods and like early postpartum, like can you use the method, right? Because when you're early postpartum, no idea when your period's coming. Uh, certainly mine decided to show up super early. Um, and I was like, is this? I'm like, but I'm breastfeeding, what? Um, so can you speak a little bit to like women who may be experiencing irregular periods and like early postpartum, like can this method still apply? Mm-hmm. The short answer is yes, it can. Um, and this is a common myth within people who don't, people who don't know about fam is they'll say, no, it's not going to work for you if you have irregular periods. Um, but I would say if you are someone who has irregular periods, it's definitely the time to work with a certified instructor so that they can help you identify, um, your fertile and not fertile days. Um, that's going to be essential. Um, and then also with fam, the, the positive to it is that, we're working towards getting your cycles back on track and we're working, we're doing things to help support you. So you shouldn't see, you know, irregular cycles all the time. I know for me, an example that comes to mind is women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, right? Like once we figure out, okay, like what's the underlying cause for them? Like often I can get women to cycle regularly, which is great. And then they'll be able to kind of like like you, you go from having irregular cycles to then switching categories and being like regular cycles. And then it's like, are they, are you ovulating? Like you start to like, look at other things within your cycle. Um, and then for postpartum, yes, you bring up an excellent point about, you know, women won't get their, you know, won't get their periods for, you know, X amount of time. And it does depend, it does vary. Um, and then you were talking about breastfeeding. So that approach is called lactational, uh, the lactational amenorrhea, which has to be proceeded with a bit of caution because the research that was done on that approach is like a woman is 24 seven attending to the needs of her baby. So feeding on demand and soothing with the breast and not a pacifier and not attending to any other kids. Um, so there's like very specific parameters that go into like that method being effective. But the reality is, is in our modern world, um, we can't like a lot of women, like that's just not real. That's just not realistic. Um, and then that could be why women like get their periods a little bit sooner than, um, than maybe historically women have. Um, and often women will ovulate before they get their first period. So where fam comes in is like, you want to be charting. You want to be charting every single day. You want to be paying attention to your cervical mucus, um, because 
I don't think we explained this, but cervical mucus is released from the cervical crypt cells and the cervical crypt cells are triggered in response to estrogen. So when you're breastfeeding, prolactin will suppress that estrogen level. So some women like be completely dry while they're breastfeeding and they won't notice any cervical mucus. But what can also happen is like, let's say you had a traumatic birth and there is some sort of, there, there has for sure been trauma to the cervix, potentially there's damage to those cervical crypt cells. You might have women that have like continuous mucus. So you really want to know, okay, how do I go from having continuous mucus to then being able to determine if I'm ovulating? And that's where you want to be able to differentiate, you know, peak mucus, non-peak, what is like, you know, I mean, I don't want to get into it because it's a little bit more complicated, but in short, it is definitely something that, um, that you can do. And I have worked with women, uh, postpartum. It's something that maybe not a lot of fam educators do highlight that they work on. Um, but I think, I think it's just like the perfect time really to use a natural method, like, like fam. Well, yeah, I certainly think there's the conception that like, if I'm breastfeeding and I don't have a period, I'm not going to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So the actual only days that are considered, you know, your safe days is 56 days. And that usually corresponds to when a woman will stop her menstrual bleeding or not, sorry, not menstrual bleeding, her like post-pregnancy bleeding. Um, Yeah. And that was based off of various studies that have been done, um, So, yeah. So I say like, that's for sure your safe day. Like you're safe in terms of like, you're not considered fertile, but then after that and 56 days, it's not even two months. Right. And I definitely, I'm sure you've like heard of those women who like at four months or three months, like start to, you know, get their period back again. Yeah. yeah, You really want to be on top of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You you really want to know what you're, you know, you really want to understand and know what's going on in your body before you take any on, well, you want to just make sure you have measured risk, right? Like you just want to know what your window, what your, what your window is. Right. Cause if you're thinking, I don't want to have another baby for like X amount of time, like you want to, you want to be careful. Um, it's a good way to track healing too, right? It's a good way to know, like, are you recovering from your, from your birth? Um, yeah. And, and just how to check in with your, with your physical health. Cause that often in the postpartum, get to take a back seat when there's a lot that you are navigating, like, especially if it's your first, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, what about painful periods? Um, you know, like, is this method helpful with that? Yeah. So I would say that, you know, body intuition and awareness is, is going to be critical to understanding the root cause of period pain right? Um, Often like I will be in a consult with a woman and I'll say, okay, so, you know, out of 10, what's the intensity of your pain? And, and women will be like, oh, I think it's this on day one. And I think it's this on day two. So it's, it's not, um, it doesn't create a good rating scale for you um, to know, okay, is it something that happens every month? Does it happen every other month? Um, Are there some months where you notice, let's say there's been more stress or you've eaten more sugar. Does that correspond with your your painful periods. So you're able to use this method to, to be your own detective as what could be going on for you in your cycles. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, and then, you know, also 
when you're looking at things such as, so painful periods, a common underlying cause of that is estrogen, estrogen dominance. And FAM can help you identify other signs of estrogen dominance. And those can be things like, um, do you have mucus during your luteal phase, right? We spoke about how cervical mucus is triggered by estrogen, um, an actual progesterone, which is the hormone that's involved in the second half of your cycle. It's going to dry up cervical mucus. So after ovulation, you should be dry. But if you have mucus, that could be that maybe you have more estrogen than progesterone in your luteal phase. And so that would be considered like estrogen dominance. And then what's going to happen is like when your period starts up again, you're going in with really high levels of estrogen and then that can result to pain, painful periods. So understanding these connections, I think provide really valuable insight so that you can then know how you have to treat it and what treatments can work to reduce the period pain and lifestyle factors. Cause as you said, like, you know, Huge. stress, sugar, things of that nature, which, you know, again, if you don't track it, then it's very difficult to kind of tease out what might be sort of going on. Uh, because oftentimes, you know, there's usually a lead up to like things happening, right? It, things don't just generally spring out of like nowhere, right? So if you're kind of, if, if you know the method and can use the method and you're tracking, then, you know, somebody who knows maybe how to interpret better may be able to like tease out information that might not be so obvious to you as you're tracking it, but you, you know, so it, it can be helpful. Um, the more information you do have to help like distinguish what might be actually happening. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And I, I would say it amazes me sometimes. Um, many women don't even know that their diet could play a role in like their period pain. So, um, that alone can be a huge eye opener when they start to track like the lifestyle, the lifestyle factors, like when they add, particularly then when they go add things back in and see how it makes a difference. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, now does this technique, like, do you come bind this with like other lab work or other techniques, or is this just like a method in and of its own self? Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to assume the answer is there because there's so many different ways to do it, but yeah. Yeah. No, this is a good question. Um, so when you get labs done for your hormones, it's typically done on a random day of your cycle. So I've noticed that a family doctor or a GP, they will say like, oh, you want hormone testing? Okay, here's everything on a requisition. Go get it tested. Um, If women are working at a fertility clinic, they're a little bit more like advanced in that they will say, okay, do this set of blood work on the third day of your cycle and do this set of blood work like on the 21st day of your cycle. And that's, that's more helpful because then we are corresponding with like the natural hormonal patterns to when you're getting the test done. But the caveat there is that it's really taking your value on a very specific day versus, you know, your hormones are changing every single day. They're fluctuating. They're flowing. Like those graphs that you were talking about initially, you know, you see like estrogen go up before ovulation and then kind of come down in the second half. And then you see progesterone go up in the second. It's, it's, it's cyclical it flows, right? So unless we did a blood test every single day, it'd be hard to know what the value was. You know, if we're doing progesterone on day 21, what's progesterone at day 24? Like it would be, you couldn't say, oh, well, 21, even though that's normal for that day, does not mean that I might not be normal 
on day 24. So, um, when you're using fertility awareness method, you get to use the biomarkers to give you an idea of what's going on with your hormones. So I find that more of a help, more help. I find that to be very helpful. Um, for example, I'll give you like basal body temperature and progesterone levels are closely linked. So when you have high levels, when you have adequate progesterone, you have high levels of basal body temperature because progesterone hormone is one that's going to like increase your core body temperature. So typically we see progesterone levels like highest, sorry. Um, we see basal body temperature values highest in the second half of a woman's cycle. What can happen is if you start to see those temperatures come down, come down and then back up, down and back up and kind of have like a, like a seesaw or zigzag pattern to me, that signifies that you don't actually have enough progesterone within the second half of your cycle. So, um, I would be more inclined to treat a progesterone deficiency in that case, even if the labs that that client had done on day 21 of their cycle showed normal progesterone. That makes total sense, right? Because when you're getting a lab lab work done, it's like one point in time. It doesn't really kind of give you, it, it doesn't really map the whole month for you. Um, I mean, certainly I, I like, I assume using, um, blood work could be helpful. Like if you're seeing something in the fam and like, you want to kind of confirm, you might say, okay, I want you to like get your hormone testing on such and such day, like based on a pattern that maybe you're seeing just as like, as a helpful, more objective, like, I just want to see where your levels are at with this. Cause something's not, you know, maybe mm-hmm. something's looking weird or something, but like, you wouldn't necessarily use it the way you wouldn't use lab values the same way you would use like fam method. Like it's really more an adjunct than it is like part of the method. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And an excellent kind of example of that is, so I mentioned about getting progesterone tested on cycle day 21. That's based on data that a woman ovulates on day 14 and, you know, progesterone is going to be the highest on highest seven days after. So even if I'm looking at getting them, trying to use labs to get the most accurate level of progesterone for the client, if they don't ovulate on day 14, then going on day 21 is not going to be helpful for me. So when I look at their chart, I say, okay, I think you ovulated on this day. Now I know like, okay, seven days after that, this would be a good day to get, um, to get a progesterone done. Yeah. And thank you for, uh, you know, for clarifying that. I think obviously, I guess my last kind of question is like, you know, is this, uh, is this a technique like that you read about, or is it really best to be taught this? I mean, I think it's a rhetorical question because it sounds kind of like it to me, who's unexposed to this, it sounds complicated and like reading it would seem like really complicated. So I would assume it'd probably be better to have like somebody go through it with you. Um he- Yeah. I mean, a lot of women will start by teaching themselves. Uh, There's a lot of resources online. There's a very popular book called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. A lot of women will read that and there'll be good insight in there. Um, There's like lots of accounts on Instagram that help that talk about this. There's, you know, the cervical mucus project, which shows you actual images of cervical mucus. So there are lots of resources out there for women, but um, 
I think like you have to be really clear on what your intentions are with it and what your goal is. And, you know, if you're sensing that your cycles are not textbook, and I will say a lot of women do not have textbook cycles, then perhaps that is, this is the, this couldn't be a more perfect time for you to work with an instructor so that you can not only learn the method, but you can also help heal and help improve your method, your cycle so that your health is better overall. And then you can continue to use the method because now you have like easily to understand and interpret cycles. Yeah. If people are looking to find you, follow you, learn the method from you, um, you know, where, where can people, where can, where, where should people go? Where can, where can they go? Yeah, for sure. So I'm on Instagram at Dr. Antoinette Falco. You can find me there. Um, I also have a podcast, the Hormone Heartbeat Podcast, and I share episodes about FAM on there. Um, And then if you're interested in working together, you can go to my website, which is www.antoinettefalco.com. And there's like a work with me tab there. And, you know, a lot of people, if you have extra questions, you could send me a message there or you can jump right in in a call, whatever you're feeling. Awesome. And for anybody who's like driving or can't write it down or is unsure of spelling and such things, we will put all the links in the show notes um, so that it's easy for you to uh, uh, find her. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time to like, you know, at least giving us, you know, sort of a brief overview. I know there's just so much more that we could dive deeper. um, But I think or, and I hope this is kind of giving women's like an introduction to like, Hey, there's this method that exists. And like, you could really learn about your body if for nothing else, you know, other than to like really learn about your own cycles and learn about your own body. So thank you so much for sharing all of this great stuff with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. And of course, we want to thank all of our listeners who join us um, every week for the episodes. Um, Be sure to subscribe if you are already, if you are not already subscribed, because every week is a different topic and you just never know what you're going to learn. So you don't want to miss out. Um, And if you got, you know, female friends or if you're a parent with young girls um, that are going to be getting into their periods and you want to just help them better understand their bodies, like share it out. You never know. Um, It's good information to know that exists out there. So until next time, I wish you a great and wonderful day. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.